I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Welcome back to the Big Cruise Podcast. I'm Baz, your host, and it's uh, my pleasure to have you with us today. In just a few minutes' time, we'll be joined by Chris Frame for the latest cruise news. Um, but I do also have to apologise. We have no cruise review this week because we had a few technical difficulties. Um, but we'll be back with a, another ship review in uh, the next edition of this podcast. Also, to quickly mention a few people that have uh, got in touch with us, we've had a few uh, reviews, and I do like to make a shout-out wherever possible. First of all, thank you to Richard, who commented on Luke's review last week of the Queen Elizabeth. Richard, thank you for your comments. You said Luke's review was brilliant, and you can hear how much he loved the cruise. Certainly agree, he did uh, love the cruise, and uh, also allowed people that have been on Queen Elizabeth to reminisce and to uh, maybe plan for, for the next cruise holiday as well. And then over on Apple Podcasts, there was a review from BWHP, who said, great source of insider information, excellent podcast speaking to real cruisers, a handy insider source of tips about each ship and a really great way to dream about your next cruise holiday. Thank you both for your reviews. I really appreciate you taking the time to to get in touch with us. If you would like to be part of the show for a cruise review, we would love to hear from you. Simply jump on our website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, and uh, click on Join the Show, leave a few details, and then we can uh, put you in the mix for one of our forthcoming episodes. Uh, we also like to uh, hear back from you on Facebook, Instagram, um, or, of course, wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's, uh, it's great to, uh, to hear your thoughts and uh, reviews. And uh, if you have anybody you think that would enjoy this podcast, please do recommend it. Tell them where they can find it. It's pretty much on every podcast directory. And once again, it's time for my favorite part of the show, where we'll be joined by Chris Frame to talk all things cruise. Hey, Chris. Hey, Barry. Another week. It's another week <laughs> and another busy week with lots of news. Yeah. But before we jump into the news, let's um, talk about something from back in maritime history. Yeah, so if we go back to the 1880s, it was a busy time for P&O, um, a company that 
has a very long and rich maritime history. And I think in Australia, people might forget that because it's known here for those sort of uh, casual family style cruising. But P&O as a company goes all the way back to the dawn of the age of steam. Um, and originally P&O had set themselves up to operate two major fleets of ships. They had a fleet that operated from the United Kingdom through the Mediterranean to um, Alexandria in Egypt. And then because the Suez Canal didn't exist, they had an overland passage where passengers would disembark from the ship and the cargo was taken off and it was loaded onto um, caravans and uh, so basically camel-driven carts and that sort of thing. And it was taken on a long overland passage where you'd have a night at a hotel halfway through. Um, and the next uh, the next day you would arrive in the Gulf of Suez and you'd board the the um, Indian fleet, which would take the ship the passengers on to India and then almost to China, and eventually um, they linked up with with Australia. But when the Suez Canal was opened up, you would think that uh, this would be great news for P and O, but in, in fact it actually almost brought the company down because they'd invested so much on this overland passage. They had this fleet of ships that were very um, uniquely tailored to that two-ship style of service um, and a lot of investment in coaling stations and bunkering and the hotels and all that sort of thing. Um, and so they struggled when the Suez Canal opened up. New new companies came in and started to compete with them and they really didn't know exactly what to do. And they got themselves into this ridiculous situation that even when they were using the canal, they they were still offloading the cargo and taking it over land because the the government said the british government which paid for the cargo and mail subsidy they said if you are going to do the canal which is going to reduce your your overhead um you have to charge us less for the service and pno said no we can't charge you less for the service and it resulted in the government insisting that they they maintain the terms of their contract so they would actually <laughs> take the ship into alexandria the passengers would stay on the ship, the cargo would get offloaded, the ship would sail through the canal, the cargo would go over land, and then they'd wait for the cargo, and then they'd get the cargo. It was just ridiculous. Um, and so, of course, they were hemorrhaging money. And it actually took a man in 1882, um, this, uh, this time in 1882, they, they brought on a, a man called Thomas Sutherland, who had actually had some um, been quite well known up to this point in the business community because he helped establish the Hong Kong-Shanghai Banking Corporation, HSBC, um, and he came on board. Um, P&O as their new managing director, and because he had a great skill of creating um, large agreements of people with all different uh, backgrounds and different uh, stakes and, and, and different points of view, he was able to negotiate with the government um, and actually come to some source, some some form of sense when it came to this service. Uh, and so they they came to a compromise. P&O took a um, did take a re- reduction in their revenue, but not quite as much as was originally uh, proposed. Um, and they were then able to start utilizing the canal and they could write off and write down all of these assets. Um, and that really did um, save the company. R- Rochelle and I, when we were collaborating on our um, P&O book with Rob Henderson and Doug Kramer, they, they actually have in their personal um, archive the original P&O minute books from the board meetings that oh, they, wow. i know the only known surviving copies that, that's another story we might have to get rob on one day to to talk about it because it's quite fascinating how he how he managed to save these um these valuable uh, invaluable uh, minute books and and when you read them um 
it's written in sort of old style English, of course, so it's a little bit elaborate to try and understand exactly what they're talking about. But there's a real sense of crisis um, when it dawns on them, I suppose, that that they don't really know how they're going to get out of this mess with the Suez Canal. And then Thomas Sutherland sort of came in as uh, and saved the day for them. So, yeah, a company that we, we all know and love today, it's obviously formed a big part of Australia's cruising scene, but a long history and it almost um, it almost ended before it before it grew into the to the company we know it as today. I guess without him, we wouldn't have modern day cruising as we we see it. No, that's just it. I mean, P and O obviously were so instrumental in in modern day cruising all the way back from um, the original grand voyage in the Mediterranean right the way through to establishing it in Australia in the nineteen thirties. And I guess if um, if a company had had folded, I mean, someone else would probably have risen to to fill the gap, but it wouldn't look the way it does now. Sure. Now, in more recent times, we've got some more good news. Um, more cruise lines are donating their provisions. Yeah, so we've talked about uh, this sort of trend that cruise lines are donating um, food and perishables. And this is mainly because they, they've got these huge orders that they, they place well in advance of the voyages. And um, you can't just sort of flick a switch and switch all that off. So there's these ships that are that are receiving uh, goods that were supposed to be used for uh, food on board and for the passengers and all that sort of thing. Um, and rather than seeing it all going to waste, many of the cruise lines are donating the food to, to good causes. Um, Costa's the, the latest company that's um, sort of announced that they're doing this as well. They've got um, one of their ships, the Costa Sumeldra, which is docked in uh, Marseille in France. Uh, and so she's got a lot of uh, provisions, a, a large ship, you know, carrying thousands of passengers usually. Uh, so, so, hundreds of, of thousands of dollars worth of, um, of food is coming to the ship, uh, what was planned for the ship, I suppose, for these voyages. Um, and interestingly enough, um, just to be extra safe on this, uh, on this docked um, ship, the supplies were all sanitized um, when, they were, when they were taken ashore to make sure that there was no risk of any, of any cross-contamination. But um, the local charities there in Marseille will be, will be very grateful for that and they'll be able to use it to help um, feed some people there who who are suffering from the economic downturn that's a result of this virus. And next up, Erosa, who's a river cruise operator in Europe, who's actually really popular. I've cruised with them a number of times. Um, they've already announced that they're going to plan yeah, so to uh, a, bring cruising back on certain um, rivers pretty soon. You might not have heard of if you're in Australia, but but if you look into the history of some of the Australian ships, you 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 should know it because. Um, Whilst it's fully river cruising now, it actually did for a, for a period in the 2000s operate um, an ocean vessel, uh, the Erosa Blue, uh, which actually went on to become the Pacific Jewel, which we had here in the local market for quite some time. Uh, but anyway, I digress. They they operate now in in Europe on on European rivers uh, throughout um, throughout Germany and also into Portugal and and, and other um, large rivers that are throughout Europe. And they've announced that their intention to start um, cruising again. Uh, on the Danube and the Rhine, uh, I think as early as August is what they were saying. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Barry. Um, but basically, they've come up with a plan on how to create a, a hygiene and health um, uh, setup on board their ships to ensure that the ships are sanitized and that people are able to um, operate both the crew and the passengers with the, the, the legal safety measures and social distancing regulations that have been uh, enforced um, in the jurisdictions where those rivers run through. It's not 100% definite exactly that they're going to be starting on, on any particular day just yet, but they've definitely signified their intention to start doing that um, if this um, 
this plan is is um, is ratified and, and given the tick. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, river cruising, obviously, a little bit different from ocean cruising. You can definitely contain river cruising within a very um, limited geography. There's much fewer people on board the the ships. Um, and say, for example, if, if you're looking at it from an Australian context, if you were to have river cruising on the Murray River, which we do we do have here in Australia. Um, you would be within one nation. You wouldn't be thinking about crossing international borders. So it may well be that that's the way that cruising starts off with river cruising and then eventually ocean cruising again um, sometime in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we'll be traveling to Europe just yet, but obviously Germans and Austrians are more than welcome to cruise within their uh, own close vicinity. In Norway... Hertigruten is planning to also return to the oceans, but only on the Norwegian coastal route at this stage. Yeah, so again, it's a, I think it's that, that theme that um, trying to work a way out of this, one of the ways to do so is to maybe limit the voyages to a specific geography. Um, now, they've paused until the 15th of June, which is coming up quite quite soon, um, really. Now we're in, we're in May, but um, they're known for for their cruises into the Norwegian fjords and particularly um, some wonderful itineraries into Grangerfjord, which is, uh, have you been? Yeah. Barry? It's just an amazing I've done the whole place. voyage all the way up to Kirk and Essenback. Oh, how fantastic. Yeah. So, um, and it, it's sort of limited within, within Norway. It's, it's quite a um, contained geography as well. So um, again, Australians flying to, to Norway, very unlikely in the near future. Um, but Norwegians being able to, to do to do voyages, particularly as the, the summer months with the with the midnight sun and that sort of thing, it might be a a nice way to see local voyages recommence if um, if they can pass the health and safety checks. Yeah, the the thing with Hertigruten is they some of their ships are dual purpose, so they provision small towns and communities all the way up the Norwegian coast. So they're kind of mm-hmm. almost subsidised by the government. Um, but yeah, passengers do come on and off the ship as in locals, and they're a mail service and a, a supplier of provisions to these communities that simply have no other way of getting produce to them. So good on Hurti. That's the one of the remarkable things when you're doing those fjord voyages as well, is because the ship sails in through this um, this waterway, and um, when you are aware of the fact that the the water beneath you is about as deep as the <laughs> that, the land above you, which is just towering above, sort of like mountainous landscape, and then on the top you see sort of glaciers, and there's no roads, and there's these communities on on the on the um, on the water there, and they have to accept their deliveries by by ship, and in, in the winter months uh, when the weather is favourable, by by helicopter for like airdrops and stuff, because they can't just drive it in. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is obviously a, a mixed reason why you'd want to see um, shipping recommencing there. Uh, but again, as I say, if if the situation in Norway is um, relatively under control and they're able to, um, you know, limit it to to Norwegian coastal voyages, then that's um, that's a good sign for the industry to to maybe as a way forward out of um, out of these restrictions. Sure. Now, staying in Europe, um, Europa, which is part of the Hapag Loises uh, fleet of ships, they've trialed some new technology. Well, yes, I mean. Um, it's interesting. It's it's called cold ironing, but basically, um, you know, it's a bit like being plugged into the main. So there's this wonderful little story that goes around um, uh, on on the Cunard ships, particularly. Um, it's a joke where a passenger sees an engineer 
um, on board the ship and asks, um, you know, innocently, does this ship make its own electricity? Um, to which the engineer says, no, sir, we have awfully long extension cords. And of course, <laughs> of course, the ship makes its own electricity. They have a diesel electric plant and they're at sea. But when the ship is in port, there is a provision on some ships to allow them to take on um, land side electricity. And quite often you'll see this happening during um, refurbishments where um, the engines are being worked on. Potentially they wouldn't be able to operate those engines whilst they're being given heavy maintenance and so they have to plug the ship in i suppose not possible on all ships by any means um but europa as a relatively uh, modern ship and, and a smaller ship she's got this provision uh, put on board and so they're able to um, deactivate her her generators and use shoreside power which is Brilliant. not only going to be import and reducing emissions yeah, not only going to be cheaper for them um, uh, in the long run, but re- reduction in emissions and, and actually the the power that she's she's been connected to is is coming from green sources as well. So it helps to to offset her her environmental impact. And last up, let's just talk about a few cruise lines that have um, got some cruising with confidence, basically allowing uh, cruisers to book a holiday and safe in the knowledge that uh, if they need to, they can change it later down the truck. Let's start off with Viking. So Vikings, yeah, the latest to sort of um, extend its its cruising um, guarantee, I suppose. Um, so passengers who make a booking um, and want to change their booking or cancel their booking um, can do so with, with confidence. So they've just kind of put this, this guarantee over bookings that are made up till the end of May. Um, and that comes in the way of a... Um, of a voucher, which I think is valid for, for two years. So it gives you plenty of opportunity to sort of push it back if you want to. Um, and then that's just, as I said, the latest one, Royal Caribbean and, and the RCI group, I suppose, with um, Azamara and Celebrity, they've also got something similar. Um, but I think theirs is extended through to, to August. Um, and you'll also find that um, the Carnival brands, Carnival Australia Carnival UK brands, they also have these these cruising guarantees that are allowing people to, to make future plans in an uncertain time and not be worried about the um, uh, the loss of income. And, and interestingly enough, if you if you look at the um, cruise forums online and also the uh, cruising pages on Facebook, quite a lot of people who've had cancelled cruises are now starting to see their, their refunds coming through. And I'm, I'm actually seeing more and more comments now that says it, they said it would be so many days and it happened on that exact day so i think for the most part the cruise lines are trying to do their bit um to get those things sorted out as well yeah as quickly as possible. i've seen communications similar um most of them struggled at the beginning to, to to meet their initial deadlines but i think most of them are somewhere around 70 to 80 percent of completed their processing so that's that's good news things will start to flow yeah it must have been a mammoth task you know i mean there's, there's no real precedent before to to refund um what did i hear just recently, I think it was hundreds thousand, hundred thousand people cruising a week or something like that that have to be refunded. It's it's just um, it's just remarkable numbers. So if you think about all those weekly voyages, particularly in in certain markets like in the Europe and the US, where maybe it's five night voyages or um, four night voyages or seven night voyages, and you extrapolate that out, that out over several months, there's there's thousands and thousands and thousands of refunds that need to be processed. So. Um, but it is good. They are, and they do have the money. Um, there's a lot of talk about are they going to fall over? But we've seen from last week with Norwegian being re- refinanced and Carnival's, um, uh, you know, got got finance sorted out and that sort of thing. That they they won't um, they won't be folding folding anytime soon. Chris, it's always a pleasure. Thank you very much for your time, mate. Until next week. 
this podcast is not possible without the help of our good friends and sponsors. You'll find all their details on our website, thebigcruisepodcast.com.au, and of course in the show notes of today's show. However, just to quickly mention, if you are looking for a very comfortable pair of handmade Spanish sandals, our friends at sandalsandsunsets.com.au have a variety of shoes just for you. And when you are ready to look for your next cruise, our friends at cruisefinder.com.au have more than 30,000 cruises, many with live availability. But most importantly, every call, chat and email is answered here in Australia by Australian cruise specialists. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.